been experimenting. Uh, the past few weeks, I've been making... Oh, sorry. First, chewing first. Okay, so the past few weeks, I've been making um, crinkle cookies. Do you know crinkle cookies? No. Okay, this is amazes me, because they're like my favorite cookie, and I know a few people who've never heard of them. They're chocolate, like, fudgy cookies, and they're, they're covered in in powdered sugar and like you bake them and like the it like cracks apart i'll send you pictures of them but they're a very like christmasy cookie so the past few weeks i've been working on my crinkle cookie recipe and today i made kind of snickerdoodle ish cookies for the first time in my life and they are um like a pumpkin spice cinnamon and sugar snickerdoodle cookie they're really good turned out pretty good i like it put some basic like like a basic glaze icing on them. Really nice. I'm really, really excited about this. Hi, Chris. How are you? <laughs> no, forget the music podcast. Let's do a cookie. Yeah, cast. I don't care about. I don't care about music anymore. I want to talk about cookies. Even recording I've this cookie said... content. Yeah, actually. Fantastic. All right. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I don't know when I hit record specifically. Off the look, I hit record it's, if you hit at it some point. In the... Okay, that's fine. It's fine. Um. But yeah, so Leo, cookie cast. But yeah, so I've spent the past months, like every weekend I've made like a, a couple dozen cookies. I've been I've been working on things. There's like so many like quote unquote tips and tricks that I've been told that are complete and utter bullshit. <laughs> like um so making these crinkle cookies, I am reading everywhere that you need to chill the dough for you know, people say, like, at least an hour, but overnight is better. Let me tell you, there was no difference between the cookies that chilled for an hour and the ones that cooked or chilled for eight hours. Like, it was, they, they turned out the same. I don't understand what anyone's talking about. Hot cookie takes, too, I see. <laughs> Always. I have hot takes on everything. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Jeff, and welcome to the Sound Judgment Podcast. Where every episode, we'll be discussing all of the important musical topics, from reviews to which member of Motley Crue is the most vile. I'm gonna judge the officials. I'm gonna judge all the judges. It's gonna take you people years to recover from all my opinions. Okay, while you were while you were perfecting your cookie recipe, um, I fixed our logo. Oh, did you? Yeah, we had an E in oh, it. Oh, cool. Which apparently... One of my spell checks didn't catch, and one did, because I guess it's one of those European things, like the U in color. Wait, there's no E in the word judgment? Not in, not in the United States, apparently. I, wow, I, I don't know if I ever would have caught that. I yeah. genuinely don't think I ever would have caught that. Crazy, I had no idea. Yep. Oh, wow, check this out. Yeah, judgment or judgment, that's crazy. Yeah. So that's what I learned. Um, while you were, while you were, uh, enjoying pumpkin spice season with, uh, with your pumpkin spice cookies. Yeah. Are you getting ready for spooky season? Uh, yes. Despite the fact that I also already started Christmas all over the board. Um, no, I have, I have, I, I am already, I am embracing the spooky season because it is absolutely that time. They can coexist. It's fine. There's 
plenty of movies and music that fit both. We're okay. Yeah. Everyone loves that movie that you hate. That movie being A Nightmare Before Christmas. I don't hate A Nightmare Before Christmas. I used to hate A Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, I will fully admit that. But that came down purely because it's a movie I remember, like, as a child. And I don't think I ever loved A Nightmare Before Christmas. It was one of those ones that my brother liked it. It's fine. Whatever. It was on. I hated it when it became a personality trait for so many people I knew. You know what I mean? It's like The Office. It was it was like, uh, your... very Hot Topic branded. Well, it's like people with The Office now is like one of the bigger ones. Or like Anchorman years ago. It It's one of those things that become so ingrained in people, they become overly obsessed with it. And it's it becomes a part of their personality. And I can't stand that. Um, so it just happened to be the Hot Topic choice. So that crowd was overly obsessed and then there's that thing that bothers me where it's easy to become obsessed with something when there's a lot of merchandise because then you can show everybody how much of a big fan and true fan you really are um and don't get wrong like i i'm a sucker for for merchandise i have well and sometimes shit just looks cool and you just you just want the wallet with the thing you like on it and that's totally fine. I mean, God knows, like, I, I have enough uh, Jigglypuff and Gremlins and Mega Man merchandise all over, like, surrounding me. Um, and I do love those things. That's that's great. But there's a, there's a level of, this is a thing that I like and there happens to be merchandise of it, versus there's a thing that there is a lot of merchandise for... And I'm going to own all of it to show off how much I love said thing. Collecting for the sake of collecting. Well, it's like people don't love the thing first. They see that they can show off how much they love the thing and then decide they're obsessed with the thing. Like, and, and maybe this is just some confirmation bias. Maybe this is just a matter of the people I knew who had a lot of Nightmare Before Christmas stuff were the type of people who were, you know, obsessed with Nightmare Before Christmas. I am sure there are people who love that movie and everything about it who don't own tons of merchandise. So I do not hate The Nightmare Before Christmas. I I hated a lot around it. I hated a lot that surrounded The Nightmare Before Christmas for a long time. When truth be told, being the hypocrite that I am, I hadn't seen the movie since I was like 10 or 11 up until this past year. Wow. So I actively hated it for years, when in all actuality, I hadn't seen it in ages. I literally just rewatched it again, like maybe this past summer. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. It's enjoyable. It's totally fine. I mean, it's it's Tim Burton. I don't particularly love Tim Burton's style. Actually, I I, I take that back. Just before someone decides to want to correct me, is Nightmare Before Christmas one of the ones that he was actually less involved in, but it still uses his style? Do you know what I mean? There's one of those movies. I believe it's written by him, and like, and and I believe it, he he like storyboarded it, but I believe it's actually directed by someone else. Is that it? I was gonna say I know there's one of the movies that's always like called a Tim Burton film, but he was less involved than others. And I never remember which is which, but regardless, we all know what we mean. Yeah. There is that specific style that is very 
Tim Burton-esque. And um, if our buddy Nate was here, I know he could correct me because Tim Burton's style is basically just a ripoff of I don't know if it was like a French or a German movie style from like the forties or German 50s. expressionism. I was gonna say what was it? I was say I don't remember exactly what it was. I remember he yeah. showed me he showed me a movie. He probably showed you the cabinet of Doctor Caligari. That sounds right. So that's probably it. Yeah. Um, but regardless, when I say the Tim Burton style, we all know what we mean, and I'm just not I'm not into that. Like I don't like the style. It's kind of like. Like, you had a problem with how Rugrats looked. You know, you didn't yeah. like the Rugrats art style. I cannot stand the Ed, Ed, and Eddie art style. I don't like the Tim Burton style. I don't like the long, spindly, creepy legs. I don't like the Dr. Seuss-esque, but, like, with a black film color over it. I just kind of think it's doofy looking. Um, It's one of those things that I I like, but I don't want everything to be that. Uh, so if he, like, like, I think his version of Batman looks really cool, and I think this movie looks really cool, and I just don't think he needed to make that his only thing he could do. Like Coraline and Frank and Weenie and whatever else, they all yeah. look borderline identical. Yeah. Well, Coraline was someone else, but he, yeah. But it's in that style. It's in that like, style. Like, again, yeah, if I say the absolutely. Tim Burton style, we know what I'm talking about. But yeah, so basically, Nightmare Before Christmas was was guilty by association, and to bring us more on topic, do you want to know what else was guilty by association to me for a long time? What was that? I had friends who were into a certain band, and because these friends also listened to music that I couldn't stand, I assumed I hated this other band as well. This is another band that also at the time happened to have a lot of merchandise available at places like Hot Topic, and that would be The Misfits. You're welcome. I was going to say, up until, like, I don't know, like by this point it might be maybe almost ten years ago. It, it's been so long. But you made me listen to Michael Graves' era Misfits, and I realized... I really like this. <laughs> but they were the same thing. Like, the friends of mine who had, like, the cliche Misfits shirt were also fans of a lot of, like, you know, mid-2000s hardcore. Um, they were fans of, like, Coheed and Cambria, which is just... Which is just, like... Coheed and Cambria is the same level of pretentiousness as Dream Theater, except the music doesn't back it up as much. And I couldn't care less about the storyline. I think it's cool that, like, it's a comic series and it's this whole story and everything's like a giant rock opera. I just don't care about the story. Nothing about the story is interesting to me. So, guilty by association because friends of mine who liked really awful music like The Bled also really liked The Misfits, and I assumed they were all the same. Little did I know that only a lot of the music the Misfits made was terrible, but they made a couple good albums. Well, and you like Angel Fuck, too. Well, I like I like that, and, uh, um, oh my god, I don't remember what the name of the song is. <laughs> What's the I've Got Something to Say song? The Danzig uh, era? Uh, Last Caress. Last Caress, <laughs> yeah. Like, you have to take that song for what it is. It is so over-the-top and campy that, like, if you're offended by it, I, that's a you problem, not a song problem, you know? Yeah. Um... I mean, because the, the words are literally, I've got something to say, I killed a baby today. And then the next verse is, I've got something to say, I raped your mother today. Is that right? 
Yeah. It's so ridiculous that you I I don't think anyone in their right mind could take it seriously. Um it's obviously just meant to ride the shock factor kind of thing. But Michael Graves Era Misfits is genuinely awesome and I have been listening to quite a bit of them over the past week or so. Uh because spooky season. They're they're spooky kind season. of they're kind of prime spooky season music here. I don't think there's a whole lot of rock-based music that says Halloween quite as much as some Misfits music does. I was about to say I haven't gone all the way into horror punk yet, but I'm I'm getting ready for the season. Uh the the reason for the season is Black Sabbath, I do believe. Oh yeah, I mean if I had to pick if there were two bands to define Halloween music, it's going to be early Black Sabbath. And the Misfits. Everything else is secondary. I mean, because, like, obviously there are Misfits songs that I don't think are Halloween spooky season appropriate. There are many, many Black Sabbath songs that I do not think are Halloween appropriate. But especially a lot of the first four Black Sabbath albums and um, a lot of stuff from the, the, well, not even just the Michael Graves era Misfits, but a lot of Misfits stuff is, is very appropriate thematically. Anything that references a horror movie. Well, yeah, and even some stuff, just the vibe, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, they all have the vibe. Some Black Sabbath stuff. I know we've talked a lot in depth before about what makes something like a Halloween song, what makes something a spooky song kind of thing. Um, And there's songs that I think just, like, have the right feel, but maybe not the right, like, lyrical theme kind of thing. But I have been, I have been listening to a lot of Black Sabbath and a lot of the misfits, and I was on a Black Sabbath kick the other day. I actually wanted to yell at you uh, over something that is absolutely not your fault. In fact, you probably proactively tried to avoid this issue. So I'm on Spotify, and I'm listening to early Black Sabbath, and I'm browsing the, like, similar artists thing, right? And Spotify's like, yo, you've been listening to a lot of Black Sabbath. You want to know what you should listen to? Is St. Vitus? Maybe it's Vitus? St. Vitus. St. Vitus? And yeah. I'm listening to this going, this is really cool. Why has Chris never made me listen to this? Meanwhile, I guarantee you have, and I just have no recollection of it. But I was very mad at you for not making me listen to St. Vitus before. I have absolutely uh, sent you some St. Vitus. So here's my theory. Um, I think I think I sent you St. Vitus, and I probably just sent you the wrong song. And because I did the thing where I sent you the wrong song first, you probably didn't even click any of the links that I sent later, or you went into them with a bias that you didn't like the first one. That is almost unbearably uh, possible. That has happened many times with us. Um, I'm actually looking in my saved music on my computer right now, just like, I wonder if he's ever sent me like a full album and I just no, don't No, I think I sent you a YouTube But I don't, I don't, yeah, I'll say I don't. I think I just sent you one that was too slow. I, yeah, I'm not seeing... I'm not seeing them here, but I, I know that that has happened before where I've thought like, wow, this is really cool. I feel like Chris would like, this is the kind of thing Chris would recommend. And then I'll go into my music library and see like, oh, I have like four of their albums. Chris has sent me this before, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like here, I, now that I happen to be here, not that I've been listening to it, but I have a strapping young lad album. I guarantee this came from you. Absolutely. I, I don't know where else I would have found it. Okay, so earlier we talked about Nightmare Before Christmas. One of the things yeah. that everyone loves about that movie, Jeff, is the soundtrack. What about Halloween soundtracks? Uh, what do you do? You enjoy horror movie soundtracks? 
You like some John Carpenter? Okay, so I like John Carpenter. I really like John Carpenter. I, I think John Carpenter is phenomenal. But are there any like horror movie soundtracks that I act that I actively put on? No. Other than a couple like specific title track themes, I do not think there is a full horror movie soundtrack I've ever just put on for the sake of putting on. What are your What are some of your favorite uh, horror themes? Though you like the Halloween one? Do you? Like, I mean, uh, obviously the, the Halloween the theme. What is wait? What even is the Friday the Thirteenth theme? You got you got that. Oh, that's the okay. That one's so. So that's a cool one, like for building atmosphere. But like, I don't think I've ever actually just listened to it. That is one that I know strictly because, as you are aware, but for the sake of explaining, Halloween has been a huge deal in my family's house, and uh, it will probably always be a huge deal in in the household you habitually growing up like we would always have over two to three hundred trick-or-treaters a year that will continue to do so i know my brother and i have even said if we were to move across the country we will still come back to you know to that house for halloween just because it's such a known thing yeah it's been featured on like we i've seen pictures of my parents house on the news just as like a here's some houses in the area that you should see. It's like oh okay cool. I had no idea. Um, huge ordeal. So for years he has a playlist that is just like what repeats over loudspeakers on Halloween night. The only reason I even know that theme that that what did you just say was that Friday the Thirteenth? Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. The only reason I even know that one is because I hear it every year on Halloween. That's not one that stands out to me. It's cool, it's atmospheric, it's creepy, but I don't really, I never thought of it as much of, like, a song. Well, you got The Exorcist, you got your tubular bells, you got, uh... Yeah, which is awesome. That's a great one. You got your, um, your Italian horror movie soundtracks, you got your Goblin. I don't think I know what this is. I don't know, I don't know this. We'll have to come back to that someday. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not aware of this one. Or not familiar, okay. at least. Speaking of tubular bells, oh, I was gonna say, do you have? Hold on, before we before we move on, do you have any particular recommendations for movie soundtracks, horror movie soundtracks? I think, um, I mean, I brought up John Carpenter early on, and obviously, I love the Halloween one, but one of my favorite ones is The Thing. Oh, yeah, I don't even. I've think shown of that, you, actually. yeah, I've shown you the thing. It has, and a lot of John Carpenter stuff is kind of like this. Like, you think of. Um, the piano in in Halloween. Yeah. But a lot of his stuff is kind of like percussive and bassy. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And um, that's one of my favorite, like, the thing, when sometimes it's just, it's just that very simple, like, dun-dun, and that's, like, all you really need. I gotcha. Okay. The, the minimalism, but it just stands out so well, you know? I've always thought of John Carpenter as one of, like, the... Like, almost an influence to, like, drum and bass music. Yeah. Well, I mean, he has, like, he puts out music outside of soundtracks. Oh, I know he, he does. Records. Oh, I know he does. Oh, I know. I just, like, I hear some of his music, and I'm just like, oh, my God, this just, this is just, like, this is, this is drum and bass music. Like, this, this evolved into modern-day drum and bass music. Not that's a bad yeah. thing. It's really cool. It's just, yeah, he definitely has a certain style, and it's, it's, he's an interesting dude. He's an interesting dude. 
Yeah, he, um, he has some awesome soundtracks. I'm also looking here. I did not realize he did the soundtrack to The Fog. Not that I know it, but... He did the movie. Yeah, well, I guess that makes sense. That That's one of his movies, isn't it? That yeah. It occurred to me that he did the soundtrack to it, too. He's soundtracked all of his own movies, I believe, but have you what seen in- The Fog? I have seen The Fog. It just didn't occur okay. to me that he did the soundtrack. What an interesting, multifaceted man. Wait, did he also write that really bad, um... Oh, God. <laughs> What's... Which Halloween movie is it that has the little jingle? Halloween 3? Is, did he write the jingle? Do you know yeah. if he wrote the jingle? <laughs> yeah, because it's, um, London Bridge is falling down, but it's that happy, happy yeah, Halloween. Yeah, but it's the Silver happy, happy Shamrock. Halloween whatever. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, that makes me happy to realize that he was involved in that. That's absolutely beautiful. Ah. Oh good times yeah so he did he did that movie that was he didn't want to do another michael myers movie the first two were michael myers movies yes and that's the one that wasn't and that was the one that wasn't he wanted to make it every every movie was a different story people didn't like that so he basically just sold the name and the rights and they kept making michael myers movies after that so was he only involved in the first three then is that what happened yeah oh okay that's actually news to me i don't well Well, and and the 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 recent remakes of Jamie Lee Curtis, like the, I, the oh, is he is he reinvolved? Yeah, in the twenty eighteen and the last the last last one, the one that's coming out this year, those last three. Gotcha. I don't even know if I've seen those. Have I seen those? I don't think so. The one was uh, the time we got really annoyed in the theater and you left. Oh yeah, <laughs> when I left and went and bought Christmas decorations up at Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's right. I did see most of that movie. Oh, uh, no, I was so mad. There was, I don't remember why. I'm sure it was someone in the audience. Someone Between was like talking someone... on the cell phone or like yeah. yelling at their kid or something. That's right. It was someone like yelling at their kids. That and the fact that I remember just like being not far into the movie and just knowing way too much of what was about to happen. It was one of those like, I, I can't, I don't care anymore. Yeah. I totally lost interest and I'm just like, I'm not sitting through this. I remember that now. Wow. Wow. Okay. That was a good time. It was a, I mean, it obviously wasn't until I went and bought Christmas decorations. I felt better than I'm sure. Speaking of tubular bells, songs that weren't written to be scary. Do you have any of these? Um, any of these songs that like you hear and they just don't seem to give you the vibe that they're supposed to? You know I always talk about California Dreamin'. From mine. Yeah, I know that that song gives you, like, weird-out vibes, which I, I yeah. can understand. Um, I don't think, I, I don't get the same feeling, but I, I can I can understand what you mean. I think when you die, the first thing you hear in hell is California Dream. Those choirs are from hell. So songs that give you, like, creepy vibes, but weren't necessarily supposed to. No, the problem is that so I'm trying to think of this, this is not something I don't think I've ever really like been aware of. I have the opposite issue where I have a problem. Right? We have talked about this previously before, I'm sure. I have an issue with songs that were not creepy being used in a creepy context and then all of a sudden the knowledge base about a song or a piece of music is, 
oh, that was so creepy when it was played in such and such movie without the, you know, like kind of disregarding the fact that there was a, a story and a reason behind a piece of music. Can I guess your go-to example? Well, it's probably the most notable, so yeah, go for it. It's a uh, tiptoe through the tulips. Yes. Yeah. Used in what? What was that movie? What was that god awful movie? Insidious. Was that Insidious? Yeah. So like, there's there's a whole group of people who hear tiptoe through the tulips, and their reaction is just, "Oh, how creepy this song is." And I mean, it's fine. You you can you can get whatever you want out of a piece of music. I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with just the complete disregard for the fact that, first off, that was supposed to be funny. Like, that was kind of a comedic take. The, the song is from the 1920s, and a dude in the 60s was like, you know what I can do to make this funny? And he played it on a ukulele and sang like an idiot, and it was supposed to be funny. But, you know, you add a bunch of reverb, reverb and shit to it, and suddenly it's like a horror show. Uh, and that just bothers me so, so much. There's a there's a piece of music called Sleepwalk. It's by uh, two guys called Santo and Johnny, and it's um like a lap steel guitar piece, and it's really pretty. It's it's called Sleepwalk. It's like a dream in a song kind of thing, right? It was used in a horror movie a handful of years ago, and I remember just dreading looking at YouTube comments. I was so afraid to go look for the, 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 the song itself and just look at the comments flooded with bullshit about how scary it was. Um, luckily, that movie did not become as popular. I don't remember what the hell it was. And the comment sections are mostly saved from the stupidity of people talking about how horrifying it is when it's very obviously not a scary piece of music. It was not intended to be, and it's just not frightening at all. But then again, neither was Tiptoe Through the Tulips. Do you remember the time we almost, um, well, we were talking about going to see a horror movie just because of the assert absurdity of them trying to sell it off of like a, a slowed down reverb spooky version of Smells Like Teen Spirit? Only vaguely. Do you remember what the movie was? Um, I have to look it up. I think it was called like Gallows or something like that. Uh, I'm doing a quick Gallows trailer song, Smells Like Teen Spirit, cover official music video. This looks like it might be it. Yeah. Okay, I do remember this. Um, <coughs> yeah, that's exactly it. There's there's a woman singing Smells Like Teen Spirit, which, I mean, this might not be a, a bad cover in and of itself, but it's just one of those, like, slowed down, added a ton of reverb. standing in front of like a projector screen and they're just like showing semi-creepy footage behind her 
And by semi-creepy, I mean, like, this one just looks like a flower wilting in a time-lapse. Um, but it's, like, black and white, so I guess that makes it creepy. I, I don't know. It's like don't the, know. Stock, the stock footage of the fox running. Yeah, that kind of thing. This, yeah, okay, I don't really remember this, actually, but that sounds like the kind of thing I'd want to go see just because it sounds stupid. So, okay, here's a question. Are there any of those that you think worked well? Any what? Taking a song and using it to make it creepy? Yeah. Um, no. No? No, no, and here's why. And this is, this is, a, a, this is a bigger topic. This is a huge topic for me. I don't particularly like when movies use popular songs in the soundtrack. Um, at all. I mean, quite frankly, I, I think, like, just deal with it and actually make an original score. Like, hire someone to write music that actually, like, applies to your movie. And my biggest reason for that is... You don't know who, you don't know who has what type of connection to what song. I don't want to go, so like, let's say, you know, there's a song that was played at your, your, your grandmother's funeral, right? And then you go see a movie and it's like a fun comedy movie, but that song plays during the, the montage of them driving across the desert, and suddenly you are no longer watching that movie. You are now thinking about your grandmother and the fact that that song played at her funeral. If you have a connection to a song, and then that song shows up in some other context, you are now taken out of that context. Every time I see a movie that uses a popular song soundtrack, if it is a song that I know, I am no longer paying attention to your movie. I am now just mentally acknowledging the fact that you were so goddamn lazy that your entire soundtrack to Thor Love and Thunder was Guns N' Roses. It's cheap, it's pathetic, it's lazy, and I think it just completely disregards the fact that music can mean things to different people. So, no, I never think it's a good idea because I think, I, I, I almost never enjoy a soundtrack to a movie being songs that previously existed. If you have bands write music that is, like, for the movie, like, the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack, I know, was a, a good example of this. It was recordings that were pretty much all, like, recorded for the movie. Fine. I'm okay with that. That's sort of its own thing. But don't take a song that already pre-exists and lazily throw it into your movie. Don't pretend that you're doing anything interesting, because you're not. So no, to answer your question, no. I, I, there's no good examples of that. It's never a good idea. It never works well. Oh, I normally I agree with you. I have I, I thought uh, I thought Jeepers Creepers used that song well. Put put the pedophile thing aside for a second. Can't be <laughs> fun. Can't be movie. I thought Jeepers Creepers used Jeepers Creepers pretty well. Yeah, kind of fits the theme of the song. It's kind of something that was already stereotyped as a scary song from Looney Tunes years before. But you know what? Uh, you made some fair points there too, and uh... yeah, I mean, I think okay, I think there are, I think there are times it is less offensive than other times. Um, I promise, I'm having a hard time thinking of good examples of it because, again, like all I can think of is because it was the most recent movie I've actually seen was Thor: Love and Thunder, and half the soundtrack is Guns and Roses, and it is just infuriatingly lame. 
Well, what about when they uh, just put a little bit of it in there as like a like a gag or something like that? Does that? Does that... I was gonna say so. Like, I think there's there's times where it comes off as like funny. Like, okay, let's say the movie has a party. Yeah, I am expecting a song to be playing on loudspeakers at the party, and it's gonna be just some you know insert popular party song. Like, that's totally fine. I understand that because you're putting a song in a context in the movie. Just playing a song that exists in your soundtrack is lazy. Like, I never want to go buy a movie soundtrack and have it just be things that I own on other albums already. Yeah, that makes sense. I can agree with that. It's cheap and lazy. This is this is going back into my my constant... I feel like I moan oh, wait, about, what about this Gar- idea. Guardians of the Galaxy? Aren't you a fan of that one? I mean, I like the movies, but... Do I think it's lame that half the soundtrack is just 70s pop hits? Yeah, it's incredibly okay. lame. Now, there's a couple scenes that I think are are funny because of it, but again, you know, watching watching Star-Lord dance around and 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 do his weird thing while listening to insert Motown song here, again, all I can think of is this song doesn't mean anything to me, but it means something to somebody. It means something probably to a lot of people. And they are now watching this movie, and then suddenly they are no longer watching the movie because their thoughts are elsewhere. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. So, there are times I think it is fine. For the most part, I think it is is extremely lazy. Um, Again, if the, if the music is being used as background noise, just because music exists in the world... That is a very different uh, a situation than we're gonna start. You know, we're gonna we're gonna cut the audio from the rest of the movie except for maybe explosions of something, and we're gonna listen to insert eighties rock anthem here. Shut the hell up. Be more creative. Do better than that. These bands still exist. There's bands still exist. If nothing else, hire Quiet Riot and record a new song. Jesus Christ, they could probably use the money anyway. Okay, what? so yeah, you want no, no, so you want you want Nightmare on Home Street three, where they they brought in uh, what was Dawkins to do that song? Was it an original song for the movie? Yeah. Then yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I want. If yeah, you if wars. you feel the need, if you feel the need to throw in your your pop or rock or whatever musician into your soundtrack, give them something new to do. Tell them we're right. Like we need a song from you about this or that fits okay. this theme. Make it new. Hell, even even take one. St- this is a little lazy, but at least take one step and have someone do a cover. Of the song that you want in. Like when the Foo Fighters covered Have a Cigar. At least give me that. Okay. And quit shitting on music from the 30s for your shitty movies. Quit thinking that just because something has crackles in it because the recording's 100 years old that it's creepy. You're welcome. Of course, uh, 
Gloomy Sunday, one of the most terrifying songs ever written, but thank you, Jeff. I mean, in 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 what? In what context? What are we talking about? Gloomy Sunday, that... Uh, 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 no, I, the, 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 yeah. I know Gloomy Sunday, but in what, like, what, is, it, just, in a, is it in a movie that, like, is it in a movie that no. it's notable in? Okay. No, it's just kind of a haunting <clears throat> song. Yeah, there's a lot of haunting no, songs. You know, killing yourself. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of haunting songs. And, and again, I, I can make exceptions. Off the top of my head, I'm not thinking of any. I can fully accept there are times and places where, where an exception would make sense. Um. Oh, okay, actually, a good example, and even though this did kind of ruin the song for me, I do think it's it's fitting, is, do you know the movie Girl Interrupted? No. Okay, it is a movie about a bunch of girls who are in, basically, they're, they're, on, they're, they're basically on a psych unit, like, they're all drugs okay. and behavioral issues and whatever. And I don't know. Am I allowed to give a spoiler to this movie? Uh, how old is it? I mean, I saw it at least fifteen years ago. Yeah, go for it. Okay, I was gonna say this is not a new movie. Um, there is a scene where one of the girls like goes home. She escapes. She goes home. Whatever. And some of the other girls go find her. And the song "The End of the World" by Skeeter Davis is playing. They hear it. They break into their house and they hear this song playing on repeat. And they go upstairs and they go to her room and they find this girl had hung herself listening to that song. So I'm really mixed on this one because on one hand, like that is a, like that's changing the song for people who, if you don't know the song already, that's changing your your idea of what the song is. That being said, the song basically already is, it's, it's a, it's a breakup song. It's, you know, don't you don't you know, don't they know it's the end of the world since you don't love me anymore, which is effectively yeah. what happened to the girl, and she listened to the song and killed herself. Um I think that works because it situationally fits. It fits yeah, it fits the situation. It fits extremely well. And again, I think here I'm now just because I'm saying this out loud, I'm now realizing one of my issues. The song happened in real life in the movie. The song was playing on a record player. It was okay. not the movie cutting audio to like the act of the character's voices and overdubbing audio into you. The song was happening in real time, in real life, in the movie. It was not a soundtrack to what was happening. It was happening. And I think that's another another big difference for me. That is why I'm less bothered by if Highway to Hell is playing on the car radio in some movie scene versus people are driving down the street in their car and the audience is listening to Highway to Hell. That is a very different situation. Just going to nip it in the bud for a corrections episode. Yes, the correct vernacular is hanged herself. And, uh, of course, I do believe in Insidious it was playing on a radio. Um, thank you. First off, are you really correcting Hanged versus Hung? <laughs> like, I'm trying so hard to not be a piece of shit pedant here. <laughs> <laughs> um, second off, okay, the problem is... With the problem is that movie sucked. My though. biggest issue with Insidious is that the movie sucked. But another yeah. issue is they changed the song. They changed the, the meaning of the song. Oh, the song, yeah. The okay. song is 
supposed to be funny. It was a cute song, then it was made funny. At least in Girl Interrupted, the end of the world is the kind of song that someone would kill themselves to over right. a bad relationship issue. It is a breakup song. I'm not condoning suicide, please, just for the record. I just need to throw that out there. Um, but, like, it's fitting. It is appropriate. If the movie took place decades later, that girl would have been listening to Black by Pearl Jam. Yeah. Or, you know what, you know what I mean? Like, that was the, the, Cut that was the deal. Cut my wrists and block my eyes. No, no one actually listened to that song, I'm convinced. Oh, that's <laughs> that's not that's not true, because I know people who love that song, but holy shit, I need to go away. Just remember, Epstein didn't kill himself, and neither should you. Oh my god. <laughs> so this was, like, we... Normally, we discuss way in advance what we're going to be talking about. This was very off the cuff. Like, it's spooky yeah. season. I know I've been listening to a lot of, like, Black Sabbath and the Misfits. I assume you have as well. Mm -hmm. um, so then we're just sort of going. The only thing I have to say, and I, this is one of my, I suck as a person. This is my controversial opinion. Zach Wilde does bl Black Sabbath better than Black Sabbath. Oh no. Uh yeah, I'm yep, I'm that guy. I have listened to Black Sabbath's first album multiple times in the past week. I have also listened to Zach Sabbath's re-recording of the first Black Sabbath album multiple times this week. It's phenomenal. It's so good. And yeah, a huge a huge part of it yeah. is just the, the production value. I mean, it's just modern. It's just modern production value. It's incredible sounding. Yeah. Um, I mean, by, by all rights, Zach Wilde, I, I think Zach Wilde is, is great in a lot of ways. I do not like the songs that Zach Wilde writes nearly as much as anything early Black Sabbath was doing. So it wouldn't exist without the original recording. It is very much a, this is a re-recording. But God, it is such a good re-recording. Well, and my biggest issue with Zach Wilde is, you know, his his style with with me solos. But he's, I mean, he's weedly. He's very weedly. Yeah. He's very he's very excessive. Um, Does I he mean, do that as much in Zach Sabbath? Because from I think I listened to it a little bit of it, and it seemed like he restrained himself a little. He 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 did. I mean, he still he still is who he is, but right. he's not like. He didn't turn the wizard into a 15-minute-long wank fest. Yeah. And when I saw Zack Sabbath live in 20... Was that 2018, maybe? 2018 or 2019? Um, it was the same way. It was not a wank fest. It truly was like, this is a man who loves who loves the band Black Sabbath and is paying tribute to it. He's doing it in his way. He does definitely overplay, especially compared to someone like Tony Iommi, who is... Um, very tasteful and very reserved. Yeah, Tony, I, I mean, and that's that's kind of my argument. Is is yeah, Zach Wild. You you have the production, um, the 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 bump in production quality, which is great. Yeah, but I, I just love Tony Iommi's style so much. Tony, I, I mean, Tony Iommi is is honestly, I would as much as people like already give him all the credit in the world for being such an amazing innovator and amazing guitar player. I would argue he's better than he typically lets on. Mm -hmm. He holds it back in his solos, especially because it's not necessary. It's not relevant to what he was doing. And Zach Wilde does not, but I also go into listening to Zach Sabbath knowing what I'm listening to. I'm listening to Zach Wilde. 
you're not going to listen to Zach Wilde and not hear an absurd amount of hilarious overplaying. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Tony's just a great writer. Yeah, Tony's, Tony's a phenomenal writer. Zach sure has a style. Zach could shred in a piano track. Yeah, and he sure did. Isn't it called The River? Or Down yeah. in the River or something like that? Yeah. In this river. It's in this river, isn't it? I can hear Down his voice. No, it's not the Bruce Springsteen song. It's in this river. I can hear his voice, like, how he does that, like, loud mumble thing. In this river kind of thing, right? Yeah, I can, I can like, hear it. Um, that being said, I did read, and this is just a comment, so I don't know if this is actually intentionally true, but it made sense. That song was a tribute to Dimebag Daryl, I believe. I absolutely could believe that. I, that would make sense. I don't know. I believe that was the point. I believe that song was written after after uh, Daryl was shot. And yeah. it does make sense that the guitar solo is kind of in the style of Dimebag Daryl. So that would yeah. I would add a layer of forgiveness for the fact that it's otherwise a pretty slow piano-driven ballad with this completely over-the-top, weedly bullshit guitar uh, guitar solo. I think... I think the part that makes it so weird, though, is that the music doesn't really, like, intensify for the solo. It just no. kind of, like, stays where it is, and he shreds <laughs> over it. It would yeah. make way more sense if, like, if like a guitar came in and it became electric even just for the solo part. Yeah, no, it really is a piano ballad with a very heavy guitar solo over it. It's very yeah. unfitting. I, I don't it's, know. It's, it's very, it's uh... Not... What? It is, it's very Zach Wilde. It's it no like... Cemetery Gates. No. No, it sure is not. You want to talk about like a like a, a way to make a ballad and then turn it heavy and just that's they that, do that very they that I, song's done very well. I God, I can't. I hate defending Pantera. I really do. But my God, like if I had to, Cemetery Gates, I feel like I could do a, a goddamn forty minute long like seminar on how that song is just a masterclass in songwriting and building and releasing tension and storytelling with music. It is it is just beyond a brilliant song. No, I don't oh, I don't God, necessarily like all of the personalities involved in Pantera, but when they wrote a good song, they wrote a damn good song. Yeah. Oh yeah. They they have a handful and man are those handful absolutely incredible songs. Yeah. Just I mean admittedly i i don't know about everyone else but there are some uh not great personalities that were involved in pantera but man there was a lot of talent too it's yeah i, I can't absolutely. deny talent where it exists right um chris what have you been listening to well like i said uh i've been listening to a lot of black sabbath lately i tried to listen to a little bit of the new aussie record um oh of it has yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a little little bit of Clapton, a little bit of Jeff Beck on that one. A lot of Zach Wilde, again, back to this fellow. Yeah, I'll say a couple Zach Wilde tracks. I love the fact that they're labeled as, um, like, featuring Zach Wilde, and it's like, what, featuring the guy who played guitar with Ozzy for how many years? Like, yeah. it's barely a feature by this point, but, but alright. Um, so have you not listened to all of it yet? Not all of it, but I've listened to a good bit. Did you like it? Did you listen to all of it? I did. I really, I actually really like it. Um, okay. I mean, it has its flaws. So, the album's called Patient Number 9. Throwing it out there, no one is surprised that Ozzy's voice is edited to hell and back. It is... I mind you, Ozzy's voice has always had, like... 
I don't know if he double-tracked or if they just added a doubler effect to his voice for the past 40 years. Um, and, like, and like a rotoscope sound a lot. I don't know what all they do. There's some definite... There's, like, a very distinctive Aussie sound that it's very edited. I don't know if it's true or not, um, but what I heard is, like, from even back to the Black Sabbath era, what he did was he would sing into two microphones at once and they would use that as a double track. Oh, okay. I mean, if, if, I don't know if that's true or not, but if that's true, that absolutely makes sense. Because it's definitely doubled. Yeah. His voice has been doubled for, yeah. like, forever. That's part of the signature sound. And then there's definitely some other effects going on in his voice that have been going on, like, on most records. There's just a very distinct... Mm -hmm. It's like you could probably download the Ozzy Osbourne preset and then, like, record yeah. your voice and push a button. It just does all the effects. Because it's been the same, basically, for forever, as far as I can tell. Um... Uh, there's there's a lot of obvious pitch correction going on on this album. But you know what? This is one of those times we're going to go back to when we were ranting about singers being good or bad. Ozzy has proven his worth. Sometimes you right? just got to be glad they're still alive, and he, Ozzy's one of yes, those. Yes, he has proven his worth. I am not going to fault the guy for not being able to sing the way he could back in his 20s and 30s, because quite frankly, I can't believe he hasn't been dead for 30 years. And he's I'm, not someone that you expect a great performance out of to begin with. No, I mean, he I, was I, he was never like a phenomenal showman. That was never his point. Yeah. I always say this about Alice Cooper too. He didn't have like a ton of voice to begin with. Like he didn't hit high notes or anything like that. He's always been fairly average anyway, but Yeah. My my biggest issue with the last couple Ozzy albums is like they just kind of sound the same. Yeah. Yeah, I I I mean, you're not wrong. Like, I don't think anyone, no one in their right mind can tell you that that's, that's incorrect. Um, mm -hmm. I've enjoyed them. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say I haven't. Yeah. Oh, I me. just, I, I just tend to walk away with them with a couple songs I like and the rest of the albums. Yeah. But like, like Ordinary Man, Ordinary Man yeah. was a good album. I, I enjoyed it for the most part. I enjoyed it for what it was. And that's kind of where I'm going with Patient Number Nine. What I do like about Patient Number Nine is, again, he's doing more of the featuring extra people, and just like some of these features, like Jeff Beck. Hearing Jeff Beck play like hard blues rock is is really refreshing because he's been so focused on his whammy bar, trying to emulate a saxophone or whatever the hell he's doing garbage that he's been doing for decades. Uh, Jeff Beck, please grab a grab a guitar pick again and like actually play guitar. You were amazing at one point, um, and apparently he still is because the the song "Patient Number Nine with Jeff Beck is is phenomenal. And then of course, I mean, like having Eric Clapton on an album is just really kind of funny. It's just really cool. I like any album where Clapton tries to get Ozzy to change the lyrics to "I Don't Believe in Christmas." <laughs> is that is that really true? So from from what I was reading, um, Eric Clapton didn't like the one of the lines in the songs that he recorded the solo on was uh, "I don't believe in Jesus." Yeah, is that that's the song? And, yeah, it's one of those days. Yeah. That's the song. It's one of those days. I don't believe in Jesus. And he implored Ozzy to try some other some other lines and to try to replace it. And one of the things that Ozzy sang as a suggestion was, "I don't believe in Christmas." And I gotta believe that he was just, like, humoring him, because ultimately it was decided that I don't believe in Jesus is the right thing, like, the right thing for the line, which is obvious to anyone. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's no... It's not literally, even Ozzy was like, it's not literally about not believing in Jesus, it's just having one of those days. Oh, I mean, the, the line, says. the line is literally, 
it's one of those days. Like, it's obviously... Oh, my God. I mean, okay. Uh, you know, surprise, Eric Clapton is a little crazy. Um, and by that, I mean that's not a surprise. That shouldn't be a surprise by anybody. I feel like I even said this on the podcast before. No one should be surprised that people like Eric Clapton are a bit emotionally stunted. This is the spooky episode, and Eric Clapton's the scariest thing we've covered so far. <laughs> I'm sorry. But no, Patient Number 9, I actually really enjoy the album. I have listened to it in its entirety a few times now. Uh, I will probably continue to keep listening to it, because it's, it's just a lot of fun. And again, it's just fun to hear Ozzy again. Um, or still, rather. It's fun to hear Ozzy still, and just knowing that he's like still out there doing his thing. Especially with some of the health scares. You, you never know. Oh, you man. never know when it's not going to happen. You never know. You never know when he's going to get lit on fire and Sharon's just going to laugh. <laughs> wow. Okay. Did you ever hear this story? No. This is just an I hate Sharon Osbourne story. You can look this one up. There's footage of her telling it on a British game show where people tell stories and like other contestants have to guess whether or not they're telling a truth or a lie. And this is something that she told and then confirmed that it was true. And to give you a summary of a long story short, uh, Sharon's house caught on fire. Um, at one point, Ozzy's arm was on fire and she basically put him out by pushing him into the um, the fountain in their front yard and then laughing at him. Oh. And, then, and then she sent one of her people, uh, like her assistants or whatever, back into her house to get the dogs out. And then uh, she sent them, after getting the dogs out, back into the house to get her fine art out. Well, then. <clears throat> into her burning-ass house. I don't... So, anyway. Well, the fire department is... is Yeah, then she's like, uh, the fire department was putting my house on, out, and my assist that assistant puts a gas mask on, and I took it off of him and put him on my dog. I... Man, I don't... I don't... She's the devil. She's actually Satan. I hate it because I don't want her to be a bad person. I like I want to like I want to be able to go to sleep at night knowing that like Sharon and Ozzy might be good people. <laughs> but then like I hear stuff like that and I'm just like I I don't know why I don't know why I pretend. So then that also brings <laughs> up I I saw someone this was unrelated. I believe this comment was actually made about Ringo Starr. But someone made the comment on a Facebook group I'm in that said something like, Oh, wow, surprise. Working class men born in England in the 30s and 40s grew up to end up being kind of shitty people. <laughs> and like, but like, okay, so I'm not trying to criticize the Brits necessarily. I do that enough. This isn't actually one of those times. But you, we are talking about a bunch of guys who were working class or, quite frankly, in some cases, downright poor. And then we're expecting them to grow up with, like, modern moral sensibilities. Right. Like, no, they're not. They're going to be products of their time. I'm sorry. That Ringo Starr is probably more racist and sexist than most people who are 40 years old or younger. Uh, yeah. Just generational yeah. gap is going to happen. You know, age is gonna be what it is. Because it was some something about like rumors about you know was Ringo Starr abusive to his his wife or whatever, and that was someone's response. And I'm just like, I don't know about Ringo Starr specifically, but you have a point. 
Yeah. Like, no, I shouldn't it's be just surprised the, that any of these people the, end up yeah, being not good Yeah, when someone comes people. from an older mentality. Right. An older mentality in, like, a, a poor, uneducated area and time. Like, yeah, of, of course, they're they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to be woke, modern social justice warriors. They're going to be right. products of what they are. Right. Spooky podcast. We've talked about almost nothing spooky. Happy Halloween. No, we did great. That was very spooky. No, we what's, did fine. What's more spooky than than thinking about Sharon Osbourne? <laughs> Please just cut it there. <laughs> <laughs>